Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 uh, this morning. But uh, I think today is the day after Christmas, isn't it? It, it looks that way in here, alright? I think some, some people are still at home, they're still playing with their gifts. Did everyone have a good Christmas? Did you get some good gifts? Yeah, I know. My Madeline got some good gifts. Matt, you got a what? You got an MP3? And so did you? Did you? Oh, man. I don't even know what an MP3 is. That's the thing that plays music? Or uh, Okay, I do know what that is. Hey, but my Madeline, she got a bike for Christmas. We rolled it out to her yesterday. And as I saw that uh, bike, it kind of brought back memories to me of kind of what uh, this whole passage is about, particularly verses 5 through 6. And uh, you guys remember back in those days when you, uh, you first learned how to ride a bike? Remember those days? Now, some of you say, that's way back, Matt. But go back there with me. Go back to those days. And remember how, you know, usually Dad would come outside, and I kind of have this image in my head. I can remember my backyard there on 2162 Cathedral and there in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I had this bike, and uh, my dad was there, and I remember him just kind of telling me, just, just let me hold on the back of it, you know. Let me hold on the back of the thing, kind of steady it for you. And kind of, I remember him taking me on the yard, and he must have pointed me towards the grass because that way it would be soft if I, if I landed. But I remember having to come to this point where uh, I had to go through this process of learning to trust my dad. Because this whole bike thing felt awkward and it felt weird. But uh, I had to learn to trust my dad and, and to trust that his hand was there and that he was going to be there along to steady me along the way. I had another experience this past summer with a bike is that we went and vacationed in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And we tried this year to get one of those tandem bikes. You ever seen one of those? Have you guys ever tried to ride one of those with your kids? Oh, man, you want an experience. Try that. I still have, uh, the, I can still hear the sound in my ears of Hannah riding on the back of it and her not trusting Dad too much. She wanted off that thing. I took like one ride around the parking lot and she was off. And it was a process throughout the week of those kids learning to trust their dad, that dad actually did have their best interest in mind and that dad could be trustworthy. He could be trusted in and help him. You know, learning to trust the Lord is sometimes in small ways kind of learning to ride a bike. It's kind of learning that there's someone else there that we need to depend on to, to keep us steady. Particularly, it's like a, a tandem bike that there is someone who is up front and is who is in control the whole way. And that we can pedal along with him because he is trustworthy. Now, we can trust him with all our hearts. Because he knows how to pedal. He knows how to steer. He knows how to guide us. We need to learn to trust. Even when the paths get crooked and tough and bumpy. We need to trust him in that. Well, the passage I want us to open up to is here in, in Proverbs chapter 3. This is, this is a great passage. Proverbs chapter 3 is a, or the book of Proverbs itself is an extremely practical book. 
It's a, it's a book of wisdom. If you don't know what wisdom is, wisdom is learning to live life skillfully. It's taking the knowledge that we have and it's knowing how to apply it to certain situations in life. That's what wisdom is. And here God has written for us a whole book of wisdom. There's all kinds of nuggets of, of truth in here that are applicable to all facets of life. But I want us to look here at Proverbs 31. Or Proverbs 3, verse 1. Let me begin to read this. And right off the bat, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching. My son. If you go through Proverbs several times in the book of Proverbs, you'll see this, this phrase, my son. Proverbs is written as if it's, it's wisdom coming from a father to his son. That's how Proverbs is written. It's a great, great book. Matter of fact, Proverbs 1.8 says this. He says, Hear, my son. Your father's instruction, and, and listen to this, especially you, you younger folks who are in here through the first through fourth. Listen to this verse I'm going to read to you. It's very important. It's probably the, the most important thing that you can hear this morning. It says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now, how many of you guys really like, don't answer me, but how many of you guys really like to listen to mom and dad? I said, don't answer me. But that's a good answer. If you're going to answer, that's the way you want to answer. How many really want to listen to mom's instruction? You'll be tempted over the years to not want to listen to those things. But the wisest thing you guys can ever do is to listen to your mom and your dad and their instruction. It's the wisest thing you can do. Particularly if they're believers in Christ. To listen to them. I bring this up because as I as we come to Proverbs three verses five through six in particular, as I'll read on here in a moment, these these very verses were verses from a, a young as a young boy. I can remember being ingrained into my head, just always being recited to me. Matter of fact, in uh, our bathroom, uh, we had this uh, on one of the walls. As you pretty as you're leaving the bathroom, there's, there's there was this picture frame up there. And in the picture frame was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's like mom and dad wanted us to know those verses by heart. And I had those verses repeated to me. I can remember in times in my life when uh, I was struggling or I didn't know why things were going or why things were happening. You know those things that happen as kids and teenagers. Mom coming, reciting those verses. And so I could hear them in my ear. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but all thy ways acknowledge Him, Matt. And He will direct thy paths. He'll make your path straight. I can remember getting up in high school and uh, carrying my, I didn't carry my lunchbox anymore, but I had the paper bag, you know. And Mom would always still write notes in there. Does your mom ever write notes in your lunch bag? Yeah, yeah, see, you got it going on, don't you? My mom would write notes. And, and as a high school kid, you're like, you don't want notes from your mom, do you? Don't do that, Mom. Don't write notes to me. But mom, write notes. No matter how cool they get, write notes. And write this note. Write Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on there. I used to remember taking that, that envelope, or little napkin out, and there it was. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'd look at it and stuff it right back in, you know. But my parents imparted this truth and, and these words of, of wisdom to me. Look what the text says. Let me read it to you. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your hearts so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Now here's where I want us to hone in today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Those are awesome verses, folks. I want us to just dig in this morning. I want you guys as young men and young women to try to hang with me the best you can. All right. Because these are important words that you need to hear. Notice first, and this verse is five through eight. There are six commands for us to follow. Six different commands, imperatives that are given. And I believe it's through these six different commands that it will help us to learn to trust the Lord. As we obey and as we follow these commands. Now, let's break down this verse here, phrase by phrase, and see what's involved in this, this trusting of God. First, we come to the main verb of, the, of these, these verses here. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Trust. It, it, the trust in the original Hebrew, it carries the idea of literally throwing oneself down, throwing yourself face down or lying extended on the ground as if to put your hopes and your your protection and security on another. It carries the idea of 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 completely and absolutely and fully throwing ourselves upon the Lord in dependence on him. Is what's intended by the word. And notice, this isn't just in anyone, it's, it's, it's the Lord. Notice the word that is used for the Lord. It's not the term Adonai. Adonai is a, a title for the Lord that re- refers to His sovereignty and His Him being Master. But this word, if you notice in your, in your English Bibles, all the letters are capitalized, right? It should be. And that refers to the Lord as Yahweh. That refers to the, the Lord's name that he gave when, when Moses asked, well, whom should I call? And he said, I am, I'm the I am. I'm Jehovah. What does that mean? That means I'm the self-existent God. I'm the one who has always been. I'm the covenant-keeping God of Israel. The one who is faithful to his promises. So when he's asking us to trust the Lord with all our hearts, he's saying, you trust in this God. You trust in the God who is the covenant-keeping God. The one who keeps His promises. The one who has always existed. Who's always been and will always be. The one who is all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing. You trust in Yahweh, the Lord. That's the God in whom you trust. So we're not asked to find security in man. We're not to trust in man's power or man's wisdom, but we're to trust in Lord Yahweh. My question for us today is, do you trust him? Do you trust him with all your life? Because look what the rest of the verse says there. You trust him with all your heart. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, the heart, as you certainly know in the Bible, doesn't refer to that, that, the, the pumping organ within us that 
shoots the blood throughout it. Heart in, in Hebrew was representative of the of the whole person, the mind, the intellect, the, the will and emotions. So what God is commanding us here is to cast every fiber of our being in trust and dependence upon him. Every bit of us we're to trust the Lord with. Now, here's where the, the, the problems, at least in my life, the problem comes up. There's two problems that I find. First is this. We either put trust in ourselves before turning our trust over to God. That is, we, we seek to try to figure out the answer to our problems before bringing them to God for his guidance. Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand. In this approach, we overestimate our own capabilities. Ever overestimate your own capabilities? Another problem is we allow our worry about the problem to overshadow the peace that comes from bringing to the hands of an all-powerful God our problems. That is, we get so over-consumed with the situation, so worrying, that we, we never bring it to God. We never rest in, in what we have in Him. And in this approach, we underestimate the capabilities of God. So we either overestimate our own capabilities or we underestimate the capabilities of Lord, Yahweh. God says, God says, don't do that. Trust me with all your heart. I'm trustworthy. You say, what does this trust look like? The, 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 the best illustration I could come with, and actually we have this illustration on our website. We use it in the presentation of the gospel. There's an illustration of a, a great tightrope walker called the Great Bodini. And this guy was asked to walk across the, the Niagara Falls. And he did it on a little, what do you call those things? High wire, right? And not only did he walk across it, but he also got out a wheelbarrow and started walking across that. And everybody was cheering on. They thought it was a great thing. And then the great Bodini comes back and he says, well, so you guys really believe I can do this. You've seen me do it. So who would like to get in the wheelbarrow and have me take you across that? And guess what? No hands going up. They saw it, but did they really trust him? Did they did they really believe him with all their hearts? They, they did here, but here, no. Finally, they started goading, because this is where you hate to be the manager of someone, because they started goading the, ma- the manager, hey, why don't you get in there? And he's probably thinking of his pocketbook. And so he finally gets in. And guess what? The great Bodini takes him across, brings him back. And I give you that picture, because that's Trust. I don't know about you, but so many times in my life I've I've thrown out, yeah, I trust the Lord. I trust Him. And I say it with my mouth. But then I can start to examine areas of my life and I find out, you know what? I really haven't stepped into that wheelbarrow yet. I'm not really trusting Him here in this area. Trust Him here, uh, but I just say it over here. And God wants us to trust Him with all our hearts. He wants us to step into His wheelbarrow and to let, him, let, him, let Him carry us. It goes on. 
See, to trust the Lord with all your heart requires that we do something. The second command here. He says, and do not lean on your own understanding. Understanding this context refers to one's own insight or one's own intellect. That is, as humans, our point of view on life and situations is don't trust in our human point of view. Don't trust in our, in our own ideas and ways. Our ways of thinking, they're, they're, they're limited. I'm not saying we don't have thoughts and ideas, but they're limited in comparison to the understanding of God, who is all-knowing and all-wise. And he says, do not lean. In Hebrew, this is a strong neg- negation. Do not lean on your own understanding. Now, the word lean is very closely associated with the same as trust, but it's, it's a little different. Trust, though, is more of the idea of throwing oneself wholly upon God, whereas leaning here is the idea of more leaning on oneself for assistance. In other words, we're not to seek or to support or assist ourselves. There's times when we just need to go trust God fully. Get away from your own understanding of how you understand the situation and trust what God says about the situation. You know, there are there are because when we fail or when we lean our own understanding, it, it, it will cause pain in our lives. When we fail to trust God wholeheartedly and because we were so held to lean to something that we feel like we understand, we end up hurting ourselves. There's been a several times in my life where I've had to uh, use crutches. You ever used crutches before? And the thing about crutches is that you're you're going around and you're 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 you have to support yourself. And after a while, your hands start getting worn out. I know I look slender, but I'm a fairly heavy guy. All right. All right. You can laugh at that. And after a while, I don't know about you, my hands would get red. They would get worn out and tired. And then what you do is you kind of slip down and you start getting into your, your armpits a little bit. And then your armpits start getting hurt and sore. That's y'all know you. Yeah, that's what crutches are like, right? The reality is we have crutches in our own life that we try to lean to. We have certain ways of looking at life that we keep leaning on this crutch or understanding in life. And you know what it does? It'll cause pain in your life. It's going to cause hurt in your life because God says, "Don't lean." On your own understanding. That's an exhausting way to live, a tiresome way to live when you're constantly trying to lean in your own understanding. Because your understanding will fall short. You ever tried to take a circle out and ask yourself, of all the knowledge in the world, how much knowledge do I have? You know, us most humble people would put a little, just a little dot. Some of y'all who are more scholarly and knowledgeable, you might draw a little bit bigger. But no one here would dare, at least I don't think anyone would dare, to fill that whole circle in. The reality is that circle represents all God's knowledge and all his wisdom. And all of us fall very short of that. Hence, we need not lean to our own understanding. Are you saying, Matt, I should just let go and let God? No, that's... You're saying I shouldn't think for myself. No, God has given us minds. We're to think. 
We're going to make decisions. But what I'm saying is that those thoughts and those understandings are things that ought to be screened and sifted through the Word of God. Always. As we are to rely on, on God's point of view in every situation we face in life. That is the slightest bit of understanding that we have. It ought to line up with God's wisdom. Because there's some things that our instinct is wrong about. I've, I've done some reading and I've heard that uh, for those and some of you here are, fly planes. But I heard one of the hardest parts of learning to fly is coming to the point where you will trust the plane's navigational system. Because there's sometimes when you're flying that you're, you're, you're flying through clouds or you're in darkness or you're in storms. And, and you, you don't know which way is up or which way is down. And it's in those times that you can't rely on your own instinct as a pilot or you may end up crashing into the ground. And so, too, in life, there are things that God is going to tell us that in our own minds do not make sense or I just don't understand it. I don't see it that way, God. But God is saying, hey, no, trust my navigational system. Because your instinct gets confused and it's going to lead you into destruction. Trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Third, it says this in verse 6. This is in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. Now, this word acknowledge is the Hebrew word yada, to know. And uh, it carries the idea of, of recognizing. So in every situation, we should be recognizing God. We should be acknowledging him or recognizing him in every facet of our life. Now, this is more than just merely tipping your hat to him and saying, all right, God, here I am. Uh, are you with me? Kind of thing. But it also carries the idea of not just recognizing, but yada also carries the idea of relationship. To know in the sense of having an intimate acquaintance with. To know personally. And I like that. It's, it's to recognize God and it's to recognize that he is, he is to be in relationship with you in every facet of your life. Every circumstance of your life, you're to bring your relationship with God to bear on that. The thing that I thought of when I was thinking through this, this concept was I thought of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he did. He brought his relationship with his father to bear on every circumstance in his life. And I particularly remember in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here he is. He's, he's about to he's know he's facing the cross. And he's there on his knees in the garden. He's praying and he's asking the Lord to take this cup from him. But at the same time, he says, not my will, but thine own. And that's the model for us. There's going to be times when we don't want it this way. We're going to ask God to take that cup from us. But at the same time, we need to turn around and that relating with him and say, but not my will, but your own. It's very akin to the New Testament concept of walking by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. To walk denotes relationship. 
It means everywhere you're going, every step you're taking, you're walking with the Holy Spirit in that step. And when God says, I want you to acknowledge me in all your ways, he's wanting you to walk with him in every step of life. He wants you to bring him's relationship to bear in every step you take. Warren Wiersbe once used the phrase where he, he referred to Christians as there's those Christians that are cafeteria Christians to describe the struggle of uh, acknowledging God in all our ways. And here's what he meant by that. You ever go in a cafeteria and you go through and you you pick out whatever you want. You know, I'll take a little of this. Oh, I don't like that. I'll take a little bit of this. I'll take a little of that. And you kind of make your own little platter there. In reality, what God wants is he wants to make our meals for us. He wants to put the things together for us. That's what God wants for us. God wants all our hearts. He expects us. And when we trust him, he'll he'll mix up and bring the best dishes. For life. There's two key things that are important to this, and this is nothing new to you. There's two practices for acknowledging God in all your ways. You can find these reflected in Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and we don't have time to go there. But the first is this. It's the practice of prayer. Nothing new to you. But if you want to bring God and his relation with you to bear on all things, it's a practice of prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, lest your requests be known to God. The best way you can acknowledge God in everything is to be in prayer with him, communing with him. The second thing is, as it comes to the end of of Philippians, it talks about these things you have learned in me and received and heard in me. Practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. And that is the practice of Scripture. The only way you're going to know that God is a God who you should acknowledge him in all things. Is by understanding and knowing his character. Knowing how great God is. That's where we have to be abiding in prayer and abiding in his word to be reminded of his greatness. To remind that he is trustworthy. And then look what happens. Verse 6, and he will make your paths straight. This refers to the course and fortunes of life. To to make straight literally means to, to make smooth. It carries the idea of removing obstacles that are in the way, of clearing obstructions and enabling one to move forward. Now, this doesn't mean life will be smooth. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean life will be easy or won't have its difficulties. But it says, as you trust the Lord with all your heart, you lean not to your own understanding and acknowledge him in all your ways. He will come and be with you to remove these obstacles, to help you through these courses of obstructions that come into your life and smooth things out for you. That's a blessing. You say, Matt, I've been trying to do all these things you've been suggesting. And there's still obstacles. A couple things I want to encourage you to do. One is re-examine. Are you really trusting the Lord with all your heart? Really ask yourself, are there areas where I'm just leaning on my own understanding in? Let other people in your life and godly people examine the situation with you and pray and study Scripture with you. 
And second thing I would do is if you're struggling through this, is I would remember the trustworthiness of God from biblical history in your own personal life. When I first think of biblical history, I think of David. You know, when David faces Goliath, the reason he knew he could trust God was because he had before seen God work. He had seen God deliver him from the bear and deliver him from the lion. And so when he comes to this Goliath, he says, well, I have a God who will be with me. And I can trust. And you and I can do that same thing in our life. We can go back through our lives and see and remember where God has been trustworthy. And has come through for us. I still remember the time when Elizabeth and I were in Joplin in my first pastorate. And uh, just let me say, we were not, we didn't make a lot of money, okay? And uh, it was one of those situations where Elizabeth goes, uh, Matt, are we going to make it? And all I could say is, honey, uh, either God's going to provide or we're going somewhere else. Because I knew that would be God's answer to move us along. And that's just one story. Because then we saw God come through. We never lacked for need. And I would say we were blessed. Abundantly. And maybe you guys can go back in your lives and you can remember the times where God has come through for you. And He's that same God. He's that same trustworthy God. Who made your path straight back then. He's the one who can make it straight now with the obstacle before you. He hasn't changed. Amen. Now, when I have taught this passage in the past, I used to stop there. I used to even uh, I used to just cut it off. That was the end. You would hear a, a closing illustration right now. And some of you are thinking, well, I wish I would right now, too. <laughs> but but I, as I study this more and as I've done more discipling and counseling with folks, I found that these these last two verses, and I'll be brief with them, that they're important for this learning to trust aspect. Look at verse seven. The first thing is, it says, I think this is marks the character of one who trusts the Lord. The first is, do not be wise in your own eyes. In many ways, this is similar to what we've already heard. Do not lean on your own understanding. But it's, it's, a, it's a little different. And I think this gets a little more at the heart of mankind. That is, if we're honest with ourselves, we like to think that we're pretty wise folks, don't we? Come on. In other words, we like to be pretty self-reliant and self-sufficient people. But that's a very dangerous place to be. God calls for, when he says, do not be wise in your own eyes, I think he calls for humility. Because look what Scripture says. and Let me read these to you. Isaiah 5.21 says this. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. He's saying, woe. This is the, this is the language of, of judgment here. Don't be wise in your own eyes and clever in your own sight. Proverbs 26.12. And write this down. It says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, let me read that again to you. That's powerful stuff. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. 
That ought to wake us up. You're, you're more than foolish if you think you're wise in your own eyes. You're more than foolish. We are not wise individuals. Real wisdom is not found in and of ourselves. Proverbs 2, 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The giver of wisdom in life comes from the Lord. That's why we need to trust Him. We need to humble ourselves and always remember where real wisdom comes from and ask him for it. One of the practices that I try to get into is that whenever I go into any kind of discipleship or counseling, particularly counseling, I, I try to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. And maybe some of you have been with counseling you're probably saying, well, you need to pray a little bit more. All right. The reason I do that is because in James chapter one, verse five, it says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but instead ask God for wisdom in your life. You can trust him for that. Second, he says, fear the Lord. I think the second thing is we need a healthy fear of the Lord. You might ask, what does it mean to fear the Lord? I could preach a whole sermon on this, but does fear the Lord mean I am to run in terror from God? I am to scream and and, and try to escape his presence? No, I mean, you should have a little bit of dread in you because of who he is. But to fear the Lord is, I like to put it this way, and I've heard it put this way before, is to take God seriously. It's this idea of a reverential awe that you you realize that this that God's not playing around, that God is really great and that he is really all powerful. And that, yes, we don't have to fear his wrath anymore if we're in Christ Jesus, but yet he can still discipline us because he loves us. It's to take him serious. To take him serious in all his wisdom and to take him serious in all his his goodness and his grace to us also. I know my my dad was one of those figures. My dad was about six foot three, thicker than I than I am. But he was a policeman and he had uh, what they call the other policemen called command presence. That is, he was the kind of guy that could walk into a room and because I knew personally, you would straighten up. Seriously. He was the kind of guy, if I was messing around in church, he could look over at me and go like that. And I would go like this. And I had a healthy dose of fear of my dad. But the same dad who would do that or would do this, too, by the way, was also the same dad who would do this. Would hold me and love me. It's the same dad I could trust. I had a fear of my dad, a healthy fear. And if you want to trust the Lord, you need to have a healthy fear of the Lord in your life. You need to take him serious for who he is and what he says. And someone who is humble and who fears God is going to trust God and take serious what God says about sin. And the last thing, and he will turn away from evil. As if you are persistently involved in evil, there is some area of your life that you're not trusting God for. 
If there's an area of life where you're habitually sinning, there's an area you're not trusting Him for in your life. This goes all the way back to the Garden of, of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned partly because they did not trust God in what He had said. And so they turned and did evil. The person who trusts God, the person who is not wise in their own eyes, who fears the Lord, is a person who turns away from evil. The person who, who repentance is an attitude of their life. That is, they fall, find themselves in sin, they are, they're quick to turn away from it and to repent from it. Because they know that the way, the way God has for them is better than the way they would have to pursue evil. Now look at this. Let me wrap up with this. I love this last verse. Verse 8. Look what it says here. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Doesn't that sound good? It will be healing to your body and it will be refreshment to your bones. That, that word body, literally in the Hebrew, says navel. Uh, it will be healing to your navel. Anyone have problems with their navel? All right. Actually, this is what we call it's a it's a it's a Hebrew literary device where they take the part and it's representative of the whole. All right. Just as heart is used for the whole person. Navel is used here for for the whole body. And so to trust in the Lord, to not be wise in your own eyes, to to fear him, to turn away from evil, it will be healing to your body and it will be literally a refreshment or literally in the Hebrew, it's a drink to your bones. Now, I love this verse because the person who who chooses to be wise, they will experience healing in their body. And certainly this has to do with spiritual healing in your body. But I'll run the guess that a person who's trusting in the Lord will also experience physical healing in their body, too. And you say that, well, how? Well, have you ever met a person who is consumed with worry in their life? And as a first-class warrior myself, I know what stomach pains are like. I know what it's like to get nauseous in your stomach because you're consumed with worry. And God's saying, come, trust me. Trust me with all your heart. So I can bring healing to your body. And maybe for you, it's trusting Him through physical struggles. And it may not be the healing of the body per se, physical body, but it may be your spiritual body that he gives you that peace and that joy in the midst of the trial that he has for you to go through. And it's refreshment to your bones. It's like you've been out working in a hot desert all day and you come and you take a cool drink and you, you drink it down. He says, if you're trusting me, if you're fearing me, not being wise in your own eyes, I'll bring refreshment to your bones. So trust me. Trust him. My question for you today is, are you trusting him? Are you trusting him with all your heart? Are you not leaning to your own understanding, but are you acknowledging him in all your ways? Are you not being wise in your own eyes? Are you fearing the Lord and turning away from evil? If you follow His commands, the Lord will make your path straight. 
He'll bring healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. If your heads are bowed, I want you to be, just kind of examine your heart right now. What are the areas in your life as your heads are bowed that you need to trust the Lord for? You might say, oh man, I'm trusting Him here in this area, but no, I'm I'm asking in your entire life, where where are the areas where you're not trusting the Lord? Right now, as your heads are bowed, I, I want you to confess those things to the Lord. In actuality, that's sin. So I want you to confess that sin to him and ask him to empower you to trust him in that area of your life. And I want you to remember back to those circumstances in your life where you where God was faithful and where he's always faithful. Remember those circumstances. And ask the Lord to help you to trust him for the circumstances you're facing now. Dear God, we come and we praise you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for these reminders, these commands to trust you. Lord, I know uh, that all of us struggle at times to trust you. I'd be the first to admit there's been many areas in my life where I've chosen not to trust you. But Lord, I'm also comforted by the fact that uh, we can trust your promises, that you were faithful. That even those times when we don't trust you, you were still there. You know, those times when we bring a harm to ourselves, you're there to come alongside of us. And you still call out to us to trust you. And Lord, I thank you for that grace. And Lord, my prayer is for those brothers and sisters in Christ that are here this morning. In those areas where they are failing to trust you, Lord, may they just fall to their knees in front of you. And bask in your grace and your forgiveness. May they be reminded and know that you're still there. You're still trustworthy. You're still faithful. And may we all turn with all our hearts and acknowledge you in all our ways, Lord. And not lean to our understanding. May we be a people who are not wise in our own eyes. May we be a people who fear you, O Lord, in a healthy fear. And a people who turn away from evil. That we might allow you to straighten our paths. That we may enjoy the healing that you can bring and the refreshment that you bring. And by that, Lord, may you be glorified. Lord, I pray for those who are here today that do not know you as their Savior. And I pray, Lord, that today they may realize that, first of all, they need to believe and trust in you for what you say about sin. That for the wages of sin is death. That that is sin separates us from God. And Lord, may they come to realize that they are sinners. May they turn away from their sins and turn and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ through his death, burial and resurrection for those sins and enter into a relationship with you. And then may they begin to live this life of trust.
this walk of faith, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we give you glory. And all God's people said, Isn't that good? Why don't you just have a seat here? I just have a few quick announcements. And the first thing I want to say is, uh, you just heard a very powerful exposition on one of the key passages of the Bible. Uh, It'd be a real shame if we we just walked out of these doors and just went, boy, that was a great message that Matt gave and never gave any thought to all that has been revealed in those verses. I encourage you to take your, your insert that you had and whatever notes you had or just look at that passage Look at it a couple of different times this week and let these truths sink in so that we will truly be living lives, yield to him, trusting him. If you're like me, I'm sitting there and I'm going, Lord, increase my faith. I want to trust you all the more. So, uh, Matt, thank you. That was outstanding. And uh, let's let's make the most of this passage this week.